0: Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, it's been my profession to connect with people's stories. And when you think about it, it's the conversations that we have with ourselves and with others that truly shape us. It's through exploring these stories that we start to find a pathway around the magnificent and the remarkable question, so what does it actually take to live a standout life? Throughout this podcast, I sit down with influential women and a few good men, and we chat about how they live a life of purpose while still making progress. We dig into their stories, both the successes and the struggles, and in doing so, we get some amazing insights into what it takes to live big, and ultimately, how they've found the wins in this crazy, busy world. So let's dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. Imagine being in a global executive role and starting to doubt whether this is really what you want to be doing. A doubt that starts to creep across all aspects of your life and leaves you questioning, who am I and what really matters here? This is the situation that today's guest Michelle Cox found herself in. Michelle described after having a career in various executive roles in in the travel industry, including being CEO at one stage, that digging deep allowed her to come back to what really matters. Michelle is currently in a global chief operating officer role of a marketing communication agency group called the Bastion Collective, which through her soul searching experience she found she wanted to continue to do, but with slightly different parameters. One of those parameters was creating time for a side hustle, which she now does because it allows her to express her creativity even more. When I asked Michelle to share her story for this podcast, she was both terrified and determined to put herself out there, and I'm glad that she did. Her experience is real, it's raw, and it's warm. So please enjoy this conversation with Michelle Cox. Michelle, welcome to the studio.
1: Great to connect with you. Thanks, Sally. It's awesome to be here.
0: Look, I'm going to dive straight into the juicy deep end stuff because we've just been having a chat and you've been telling me a little bit about how 2016 has kind of shifted and rattled you a bit. Mm. Was there a particular moment this year? Because you've been describing you've done some self-reflection. You've kind of like, you know, what's it all about? Am I in the right job? Is this where I want to be? And mm. you've done some, some really deep soul searching. Did that come about from a particular moment? Can you describe where that started for you this year?
1: Oh, um, I don't know, actually. I think that I tend to over-analyse everything in my life, so it's a <laughs> constant state of uh, always looking at things and reassessing. I think that's probably a bit of a trait of mine, being a person that is driven and, you know, likes to achieve, that I'm always assessing stuff, and part of that, it's not just about... Work or life—it's actually about myself too and my happiness.
0: And I think you're probably not alone in that. I think I'm constantly, and probably many listeners yeah, are going, yeah. "Oh yeah, I'm kind of overthink things, yeah. right? Constantly, where am I? And what's this all about? What's this actually mean?" Yeah. It's yeah. True. So you found yourself asking yourself some of those questions, this you?
1: Yeah. And it's—it's. Everyone always says, "Oh, how did you pick your career? And you know, why do you do what you do? Or how did you fall into that?" Well, to me, it was actually—it's—it's it's all about happiness and. Seems so simple, but it is my true yardstick in everything I do in life. It's, you know, if I if I am not happy, then I need to be um, up for change and you know be the one to drive that change. You know, it's um, don't believe anyone else's should be in charge of your own life. So you are the. If you aren't happy, then you need to do something about that. So that's uh, um, my key principle, I guess. that mm. I live by, and I just found that um, you know, sort of through the Christmas uh you know break, I guess we our business closes down and we take some time for reflection and it's nice to have that time with the family. Um, I have an awesome husband and a great family. I've got a great life. I'd moved into a beautiful new house and now live in Palm Beach and that was a real uh, shift for me as a person in the corporate world in the city here in Sydney to uh, really take a shift and and change things because I wanted a better life like on the weekends and, you know, to have sort of um, ensure that I'm concentrating on me and doing, you know, stuff with the community and things like that as well. So, you know, I had the lovely house, beautiful holiday and I'm like, wow, there's something still not right. It's still, there's still an unsettling um, notion deep inside me and then I had to really kind of delve, I mm. guess, and look at that a little bit more. And Was go, there a sense that um, when we moved to the
0: new house that'll come back? Was that, and then when you moved in and... It was still a bit of unsettling there.
1: Yeah, I think it just—I um, just couldn't put my finger on it. it. Was something that I was not happy about. Like I just wasn't happy, and so then it started to break up everything in in my world and look at the components of it, um, and then determine actually it's my job. You know, I I'm a shareholder in the business. Um, I have fair bit of freedom to sort of create and do what we do, uh, I love the company, I love the work we do, we're building something really special um, and really enjoy the people that I work with as well. But again, I'm like, well, what's going on with me here? What's happening? And so, uh, yeah, I started to really look at what that was, what what the elements were. It was coming up sort of three and a half years that I'd started the Sydney office and um, it's then now it's grown and fostered and, and flourished and it's much bigger or, um, more exciting than I probably thought it was going to be, uh, which gives me immense, you know, pride, but then it's not my baby anymore. And so I've handed it over to, to others and they do an amazing job with that business and, you know, take that on. But for me, it was like, oh, now where do I fit in this? Where's my kind of place and, um, you know, where's my satisfaction in the job every day? So they were the kind of questions I guess I was going through. So that's that was sort of the start of the year. Then uh, we do a a course. We created a course um, called the Bastion Degree, and it has an amazing facilitator called Tom Harkin. You might have seen him um, do some great. Yeah, stuff. seen him
0: on the media. Yeah, yeah getting out and about
1: some, He does amazing work with um, uh, with in lots of different areas actually, and uh, he runs the program for us and. Uh, so, through then, that started the end of January. So, then there was some real stuff going on that were coming at bubbling up and coming out of. Uh, those sessions that we run it's all about emotional intelligence and he really makes you think but also really challenges you as well and so this is a professional course that's yep. rattling you personally yes exactly <laughs> and in a work environment so I'm there with 18 of my work colleagues that we you know all different levels in terms of um you know status in the business and and um they you know, Senior people and, and more junior people, so it's a real mix. So uh, letting our guard down in front of that is, you know, incredibly um, challenging. I guess that you have to be really vulnerable and be open to that. So that was going on as well, and there was some stuff coming out of that that made me really realise that, hmm, and I'm not in a great place. I need to kind of really reassess that. And everyone looks and thinks, "Oh, you've got a great job, and you know, you've got your shit together. You always look like you, you know, happy." And I'm like, "Well, fun." Deep down, I probably am, but there is also that it's search. Just peace. And, yeah, but that essence of life purpose. And you yeah. sort of talk about that a bit in your book. Um, I've always thought, well, what am I here for? What am I supposed to be doing? Am I doing? I'm sure there's something else I should be doing. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, one of the elements is around learning that I do lots of stuff and I will do lots of stuff, and that's okay. Doesn't have to be one big shebang. Oh my god! Moment, mm. it's lots of little ones along the way that you make a difference to people's lives, or you, you know, you have some fun. You know, you stop, you cut yourself some slack, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And come back to that portfolio kind of life of how hey, I am just doing this piece now. Um, but it sounds like that that constant kind of just checking in and reassessing and and where is it and what does that, that mean? I guess going back to give a bit of context, your current role, you are the Global Chief Operating Officer for a marketing communi- communication agency. I can't even say that word, communication <laughs> agency group called Bastion Collective. So tell me a little bit about uh, Bastion
1: Collective. It's an interesting business. we um, It's a family business. So uh, we're one of the now kind of getting Quite a large size, I guess we keep thinking we're a small business, but for an independently owned agency, um, we're getting reasonably large. We've got about 140 staff. And we're unique because we're made up of, uh, the collective as such is made up of eight different businesses. And each of those businesses have a CEO that um, runs and is in charge, fun, you know, fundamentally in charge of their own PL and l um, And they also have skin in the game. So each of them has a shareholding as part of that business. Um, so effectively, I have like 14 uh, shareholders, like partners, I guess, business partners, which is great as well as challenging. Challenging, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly trying to keep everyone happy. Um, and so each business has a, we, some of them we started up, those um, startups and others we acquired. Um, generally with the owner of the business, it's usually a real specialist at what they do. Um, so they're you know incredibly good at research and insights but um, or you know reputational management or PR in terms of those different kind of streams but as a business grows uh, then those people that are really good at that you know particular kind of um, area that they started the business in don't actually get to do what they're great at or what they're passionate yeah, about they not
0: leading and managing and yeah, putting out fires yeah, yeah running
1: a business and worried about p ls or wages and Um, you know, HR and all these other kind of operational, should we buy a new, um, you know, build a website? Should we be doing this new kind of operational system? So it takes away from the stuff they're passionate about. And a lot of them then after, you know, whether two or three or five years, if they're lucky in an SME world to last that long, they get really a bit despondent about, you know, running a business. And it's bloody hard. You know, running a business is tough. And, you know, I think Australia is amazing in how many Uh, SMEs we have and especially for, you know, women and, you know, the stats and um, small business for women is phenomenal in this country. Yeah. The
0: entrepreneurial mindset is definitely growing and Mm. going, but the reality
1: hits you once you're into it. Oh yeah. (laughs) yeah. And you you don't sleep and you 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 (laughs) think we're working 60 or 70 hours, but yeah, that's the, your mind never shuts off, you know, that's the challenge. So So your
0: role as a global kind of you know, covering off operations. Mm -mm. So it's not just here in in Sydney. Um, You've got offices all around the world.
1: Yeah, yeah. So our head office is in Melbourne um, and then we now have offices in Sydney, uh, sorry, in Sydney, which I started uh, four years ago, and offices in London, um, in LA, and recently in Shanghai as well. So my job is to in a nutshell, uh, take all the crap away from these guys um, and try and make their life easier in terms of actually being able to operate and run their business more effectively themselves. So it's, you know, getting rid of all that chatter and that noise, you know, whether it is uh, uh, running things more efficiently or helping them with their, um, their own kind of marketing sort of elements, you know, really ensuring that they can get back to doing th- those kind of, you know, things that they're really good at and they're really passionate about. Um, but the f- finance or the HR or the you know IT systems and all those kind of other elements we make it run more effectively for them and um, then they've got a better business that you know returns them a better margin as well as shareholders but their staff are happier because then they can actually have opportunity to grow and develop within our group um, and they're part of a bigger you know bigger team and a, and a much bigger sort of um, sense of you know achievement and, and progression I guess but they uh, so they can sort of tap in and out to the elements that they need. So, yeah, it's a really interesting business model but we're finding after now sort of six and a half years that it's it's working really, really well and it means we have such talented people in our business. Like, I work with some really smart people and it's a delight. It's what really, do you really love fun. most about your role? Um, probably that every single day is so different. <laughs> yeah, I think it's... um. Yeah, I think that's probably it and that I do get to work with some some great, talented individuals and, you know, we have a lot of fun. We, we do some great stuff and so I think that's been really insightful and, and really interesting for me. I sort of come from a completely different industry and deliberately wanted to change my career focus and thought after 17 years of tourism and travel, if I don't move now, I probably will be stuck in that forever. So deliberately... You know, went into a new industry, but then hated it for the first <laughs> six months. <laughs> what have I done? Oh, it was torture. <laughs> yeah. It really was challenging. So, so um, travel
0: and tourism is where you is my came background. from, yep. and so seventeen years in that space. Mm. Uh, you worked with STA,
1: yeah. So, yeah, I worked for um, that was uh, the most kind of recent job. I was a managing director for Asia Pacific for STA Travel, so sat on their global board as well. So, you know, pretty big gig. It was. Um, Uh, Definitely a challenging experience and it was a a really big step up for me when I took that role on. Um, We had, you know, offices all around sort of Asia Pacific and I'd never really run, you know, in terms of that size of a business before. It's about a 300 million business. Uh, So, yeah, that was a huge, huge leap. Um, and it was a fascinating, fascinating time for me. Um, They had given me uh, business coaching uh, at the start of that sort of first 100 days, which was really interesting as well because I'd never had a business coach before, so that was kind of cool to bounce off someone like that that, you know, could give you some great feedback, yeah, yeah, Yeah. about how you're managing things and how you um, manage up, I guess, and especially my boss being 17,000 kilometres away. I'd never kind of worked in that environment before, so that was challenging, but um, I learned it ton of stuff. Yeah, it was amazing. It was a great opportunity. And then um, uh, they made my role redundant. So as the MD of a business that was incredibly successful, uh, they decided they wanted to uh, consolidate all, um, a lot of the entities and take, take uh, most of it to London to the head office, which was a bit of a shock for us all. Yeah, what was that moment like when
0: when you had that conversation? Shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Talk about turning uh, turning your life on upside down in that moment. Yeah. Where you, particularly <clears> if you were successful and things were happening, probably not something you could see the writing on the wall. If things were the other way around, you might be able to pre- preempt and predict that.
1: Yeah, I think that was um. So, you know, that oh, it must have been about six years ago now. That was the first, what I would say now I can look back and recognise the first time or the first stage of me then learning that it's okay for things to go to custard, I guess. (laughs) Um, That we can still survive when they do. (laughs) Yeah. And actually, you know, you do survive and you generally learn a ton from it. And you come out, you know, they say that, oh, it doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. But for me, it's um, actually, it it's part of it. it. You know, it's made me such a better person mm. through that and some other things that happened after that time as well, which, you know, at the time, it's, it's horrendous. And I thought, wow, well, what am I going to do? And, I mean, the interesting part with STA was that... Um, I loved my job. I loved working for that company. I loved the brand. I loved my team. But the writing was on the wall where, um, you know, things were happening all around the, the world in different departments where they were consolidating. And so, you know, I had pretty frank conversations with my then boss about where to next and, you know, if you're going to, you know, change all this up and make all my team redundant, then um, it's not for me. I can't. I can't stand around and watch you, you know, Destroy this, or you know, rip up the business and change it so much. I guess because I'd given so much of my heart and soul to it. So we'd had some pretty frank conversations, but um, in hindsight, for me, it was the best thing ever. You know, it was incredibly traumatic at the time because yeah. I'd always had this opinion that p- only people that got made redundant were those that were crap at their job.
0: Oh, whereas wow. I was like, you change you know, that, pretty quick. T- yeah. Care. And
1: whereas I'm like, well, actually, I was doing a really good job, and this, the company was profitable we were really doing well, but the direction of the business from a global scale, like the business was owned by a Swiss family, um, they wanted to take it in a different direction, which didn't include me. And so I, you know, after time, I learnt that actually it wasn't personal at all. And that's, you know, it's good to go through that, but yeah.
0: Yeah, so what helps trinity. you go through devastating trauma to actually that was the best thing for me? What were a couple of things that helped you? Because you know, the reality is, relentless change environments in our corporate space are more and more these days, probably now more than ever. Mm. And so, people are facing whether it's redundancy or just restructures, or you know, the job that I'm doing. Probably, guarantee most people listening, the job you're doing today won't be what you're doing in 12 months' mm. time for whatever reason. Mm. So, what what helped you to to navigate from devastation to
1: to actually? That was a really Important. Um, why I have an ability. I, I guess I'm an eternal optimist. <laughs> and uh, I've had, you know, fair fair bit of crap happen to me in my life in terms of, you know, losing family members and um, some pretty good perspective, I guess, on um, dealing with the big issues. So for me, I looked at it and thought, well, I'm still alive. It's not, you know, I'm here. I've got still got my health. Um, I got a reasonable payout, obviously being a... Um, being a redundancy. And I kind of looked at that and thought, well, it's pretty easy for me to go into straight into another job. And I got three job offers within 24 hours. I think that's what, I was so shocking. Like the whole thing, every, you know, to have a big job like that was a fairly um, high profile position as well. And that was what sort of devastated me more. And it was probably more around the ego to say you know, the fact that I'd been made redundant and, oh, my God, what will people think of me? Do they think I'm crap at my job? And all that sort of stuff was what was going through my mind at the time. Um, But what I decided with, you know, sort of talking to my husband, Dennis, at the time and saying, this is a really rare opportunity. I've worked for so long and having had my own businesses for, for 10 years and then worked in the corporate world for 10 years, I've never really had a break. And I've gone from job to job to job and, you know, I'm so driven and so determined to succeed that there's no, no, there's nothing that's halfway with me. So I give my all to everything. And, um, and that's exhausting. I mean, it's why I may be successful and why I enjoy what I do, mm, but also, of the cost. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, through, I mean, STA, I was, I was sitting on a global board. I travelled extensively. I was living in Melbourne when my husband was living in Sydney. So um, we learnt to get into a groove with that. But I literally worked out that uh, one year I was on, I travelled, I was on a plane for seven months of the year. So, you know, that's tough going for anyone. I'm just lucky that, you know, he and I can work in a balance like that and in terms of family and all that sort of stuff. But um, it's tough going. So for me, I said, I actually don't want to work for a while. I want to take some time off. And, you know, we being paid, essentially, I'm like, well, it's like I'm working anyway. Why don't I just do something a bit different? So there were some key things that I had on my little bucket list that I always wanted to do and had never had the chance. So things like um, doing a detox, like fully looking after myself. And So I went to Thailand and did a full-blown, you know, detox for two and a half weeks. Um, felt amazing, you know, stopped... Eating, like, you know, meat, you know, milk, sugar, coffee, everything. all the fun, yeah, stuff, all the fun right? stuff. Alcohol, <laughs> of course, yeah. No yes. champagne. Um, so that was the first start of me kind of getting back, you know, scratching yeah. everything back to the basics and going, let's look after yourself first. And I hadn't looked after myself for so long that I just wanted to, you know, get back to basics. Then the other thing that when we were at STA, we put a um, program together, which is like a big volunteer tourism uh, program and it was a brochure. It was about 250 pages, I think, at the time. And I used to look at it as the MD of this business going, oh my God, I'd love to do these trips and aren't they amazing to go and volunteer and to spend a couple of months in, you know, India or Thailand or, you know, Africa or whatever. And I'm like, here we are creating these incredible opportunities and I can't ever get to do it. <laughs> yeah. So that was the next thing I did. And I went for a month to um, Vietnam, uh, sorry, to beg your pardon, to Cambodia. <laughs> went to Vietnam, but then I did the, um, uh, volunteering in Cambodia and I went and worked at a charity there uh, called New Hope and it was a um, a children's uh, education centre where we taught kids English and it really was an incredibly amazing time for me. It was again back to basics, you know, riding a bike to work every day in the heat, teaching the kids English and then I uh, started to work with the lady in the business around um, actually how to make her business better. Because Of know, course you yeah.
0: did. <laughs> 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 she can't stop. <laughs> I love
1: it. I remember this moment where Carrie Huntley's a lady. She's an incredible person and um, has done a lot for the communities over in Cambodia. And I remember having um, this cup of tea with her this day and I was like, oh, so talk to me about your business and what you're going through. And she said, oh, I'm just literally writing an email to someone. Uh, to say thank you for the $20 that they just donated. And I was like, really? And she goes, yep, because that's how desperate we are. She said Uh. $20 makes a difference. And I sat there and thought, wow, like I have some really good contacts around the world and, you know, businesses that are looking for companies to support. support, um, Talk to me about this a bit more. Talk to me about how you're marketing yourself. What are you doing? And so then, because I said, well, I kind of run businesses back home, you know, I know I'm here teaching English and this is fun but maybe I can help you and help the centre in a, in a different way. So uh, I started to work on the program with them and help them a bit more and um, yeah, then uh, I did a bit of a campaign and raised a significant amount of money um, over that next sort of, um, you know, three months and we built a um, tourism uh, building that, uh, in their centre that then they could uh, educate the kids about how to um, you know, for, for skills in terms of dining, uh, waitress, you know, doing wait, waiting service, uh, working in the kitchen, because around CM Reap there's a lot of hotels, but a lot of these kids don't have that opportunity to learn those skills. So they, you know, we contributed to building that se- centre, which was an amazing time. So that was really cool. So again, just get back to basics and doing something for others as well. So it was good to reflect. And all that time, you know, I was there trying to decide, what do I want to do? Where do I want to head next? Where's my passion? Uh, You know, what does that next job look like? And uh, then um, from there I went to Italy and my husband met me over there and that was the sort of third thing on my bucket list was about learning Italian in Italy. So we based ourselves in Rome, lived there for a while and I went to Italian school every day.
0: It's kinda of fun. Yeah, <laughs> so, so much fun. I hope it involved eating spaghetti. <laughs> uh,
1: and lots of And Garlic bread. And, and, yeah, yeah. and, <laughs> and drinking wine again so the yeah, detox went out Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. But it's um Yeah, it was a good time to and I was lucky to be able to do that. And so I think you know, I got, I got over the whole redundancy thing pretty quickly, really? to be
0: fair. <laughs> I'd put my hand up for that uh, redundancy recovery plan you've got yeah. going on.
1: <laughs> well, and it was interesting. A friend just said recently they um, have taken some time off work and, you know, they're, again, in a lucky situation that they don't have to get a job tomorrow. And I think if you are ever in that position to... to take the pressure off yourself. because I, And I said to her, the, the thing for me was that I wish someone had told me to not stress about it. So when we're sitting over in Europe and I'm thinking, I probably need to find a job now. I probably need to start looking and thinking that, you know, are people going to forget about me? Do they, you know, now I've been gone for three or four months and, you know, I'm getting out of the market. Yeah, we feel ridiculous. like our skills are going to
0: disappear. Oh, like They're just starting to expire for every
1: day. We're not working or, yeah. Yeah, it was a crazy. But I just wish someone had given me that advice to say, lap it up. Mm. And I had a great time, but my brain never stopped. And I was constantly thinking about where to from here? What, yeah. what do I need to be doing? Um, you know, what are the sort of things I need to be put in place? Do I need to go... You know, do some further study. Um, You know, what does that look like for me? So I said to her, just cut yourself some slack. You'll be fine. Take six months off because it's very rare that you get that opportunity, and um, you may never get it again. So
0: yeah, give yourself permission, and and like you say, it doesn't have to be um, Cambodia or Italy. It can be down the road. Oh, absolutely. Giving yourself some space to stop and think. And obviously, uh, you know, we've spoken about a couple of times where you've had those moments of reflection and and I guess perspective in life when they've kind of thrown things at you and you've had, you alluded to before, you've had a couple of curveballs come at you, one of them being a fairly major one, losing your mum at a very young age. How did that experience give you a newfound perspective on life?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because... Um uh, it's, yeah, 20 years since mum had passed away and, um, that's, I can't believe it's been that long. Um, I still remember it like yesterday. You know, I've got an older brother, um, who's 18 months older than me and then I've got, um, quite a gap and then a younger brother and sister. And so they were really young when it happened mm-hmm. and, um... So uh, mum had got uh, breast cancer, and she was 45 when she found out that she had breast cancer, and it was pretty quick. So incredibly young, you know, 20 years ago, especially to mm. to have um, um, to have got that. But then, because she was young, they didn't really do the testing as fast as they should have uh, and uh, it was quite aggressive. If anyone knows anything sort of about cancer in younger people, their cells are mutating a lot faster rate so um, cancer does tend to be aggressive, more aggressive when you're younger whereas everyone thinks you'll You'd get over healthy, it faster. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah, quite right. the irony of it. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, that was, you know, I'd always had an attitude as a young kid, I think, you know, zest for life and really... Absolutely believe in living for now, and that we are only here, you know, a short time. So just get on Make with it. Make the most and, of it. Yeah, and do whatever you want. And you know, I had amazing parents that, you know, my mum and dad let me do anything and everything. So very highly driven in sport, and they enrolled me in every sport possible. <laughs> and um, but also, my dad had no kind of gender biases. You know, I wanted to ride motorbikes because my brother did. He's like, "Yep, okay, you can race." And you know, I'd be always climbing the trees, or I'd be, you know, hanging out with my brothers and his mates, and. And so all those um, nuances, I guess, that, you know, people, the gender biases, I just didn't grow up with that. So it's so foreign to me to be put in a, a space. And I think that's been, held me in good stead all my life because generally, in especially earlier on in my career, I was the only woman sitting around a board table with a lot of men. So being able to mix it with the boys and giving them a bit of run for their money, but be very confident and comfortable with my own femininity, I think has been a, you know, a really powerful trait to have. Um, certainly, I didn't learn that overnight. No. So it <laughs> taken uh, a while and there's certainly been times where it's been tested, um, you know, where uh, it's more about uh, other people's views on, on you and how you uh, look or dress or, or yeah, conduct yourself. Yeah, you've probably been surprised by it
0: with that upbringing where it wasn't an issue. Mm. And I imagine stepping into boardrooms and stepping in a very high level across, like, you know, global settings that, yeah, there's probably been times where you've been surprised by that being an issue or has that oh, been the case for you? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, massively so. And I think, you know, they, when your parents have never, like, mum's like, whatever you want to do, you know, go for it. And then, you know, I'd chop and change and do things all the time of um, whether it was in the sporting realm or in school or, you know, just doing stuff that, typically girls didn't do when I was growing up and it was it just never occurred to me I guess so um I uh you know later in life I think being confronted um with well I think you know probably because of my age I've been confronted with that probably more so than um women maybe will do now in terms of coming through Uh, organisations, I'd hope that that would be the case, Mm. that we're slowly getting there, Um, it was pretty confronting. And at times I was like quite taken aback thinking, wow, is this person for real? And I'd sit back and sometimes get offended, but then thinking, actually, you know what, this is your issue. You're the one that doesn't see, you know, the world is broader than your kind of little box and that, you know, I don't have to take that on. No. <laughs> that's and point. so I think getting to that stage and just sort of, instead of being defensive as, you know, I was pretty feisty when I was younger, um, being defensive and kind of giving them a run for their money, it's uh, then I would just kind of work out a way to, to work around that and, and potentially um, highlight that one that's not acceptable to the behaviour. And, you know, there's lots of different ways to do that, sometimes in front of Others, <laughs> sometimes in a quiet <laughs> <most> setting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if someone's being complete, Wally, then um, you know, sometimes it's best to bring them undone, and you know, and I'm not being afraid to do that. I guess at times and call it out. I think mm. that's the the key thing as a woman in business. You know, I mean, the things that used to happen to me. I was 23 when I owned, I started my first company, and I used to run hotels and in Alice Springs. So you know, some interesting stories that come from that area, and for those that can't see me, I've got uh, curly blonde hair, I'm about 5'10", so, um, and, uh, you know... stand out in Alice Springs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and would always dress, you know, Melbourne girls, so yep. we, even when I moved to Alice, would always dress as, you know, nice and beautiful outfits or whatever, because I'm like, well, I want to dress for work. I run this business, and I remember uh, um, having a case with a, a guy... And he was an um, international uh, guest at our hotel that was running and he was giving a receptionist a hard time and I could hear in my office in the back area, he was just like, no, I want to see the manager, I want to, banging on the desk and wasn't happy about his room. And so he came out, oh, sorry, the, um, more and more of seeing, I thought, well, this receptionist can manage this. And uh, they finally came to me and said, can you come and see this person, we need some help, you know, they're really being demanding and they want their money back and... And I sort of came out, you know, kill them with kindness, the old uh, customer yeah, service, big right. smile. Yeah. And uh, I said, oh, hi, can I help you there? And he's like, oh, I, I don't want to see you. I want to see the manager. I said, well, actually, my name's Michelle Cox and I am the manager, but, you know, what can I help you with? He's like, no, I don't want to see you. I want to see the manager. I said, well, actually, you know, I'm the person you need to see. No, I want to see the owner. <laughs> so I looked at him. I was so profound, like taken aback, and I thought, wow, okay, this guy. So I, I okay, one moment. So I didn't, being such a smart ass, walked out, went into my office, came back out again. Hi, I'm Michelle Cox. I happen to be the owner of this place. <laughs> and I was like, well, no, I don't want to speak to you. I want to speak to a man. And it was the first time, wow. and I was like 25 at that time, and I'd owned the business for a couple of years, and I was so taken aback. And I thought, wow, there it is. Like that, that's, he has no comprehension that actually I not only run this place but I am the owner of the place and that's... That just couldn't be the case. Yeah. It's just not in my world. And I said, here, so there's your money back. Um, we actually don't want people like you staying. because you can't kick me out. I said, actually, I can and I've just done it. See you later. We call you a taxi. We don't want you staying here. If, if you cannot comprehend that a woman can own a business yeah. like this in you know, whatever year it was, so you're not our kind of customer. And he was flabbergasted back. So I thought, great. And my staff were like, yes. You know? <laughs> but, I mean, just little moments like that. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, so hundreds feisty and hundreds. So character has
0: been obviously part oh. and parcel of, of who you are. Was your mum like that?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Irish, brought up Irish Catholic. Right. She was very feisty. Actually, I'm much more my dad's temperament. <laughs> um, yeah, mum was, uh, yeah, she, <laughs> you knew if she was cranky about something. So, um, yeah, but, you know, instilled, Again, that, that sort of quality of do whatever you want in life and, you know, all of us had to contribute. You know, both my parents worked and so from a very young age, you know, I went out, I got a paper round at 11. I was always had that entrepreneurial spirit. I always knew I wanted independent and have my own money to buy my own things and, and then, you know, I humbugged the... Uh, um lady at the supermarket to give me a job at four, you know thirteen and fourteen and I wasn't they weren't allowed to employ me until I was fourteen and three quarters and at the end she just gave me a job because she was just driving her nuts. <laughs> <laughs> then I became check out chick of the year and then oh, just, <laughs>
0: amazing. <So> obviously <laughs> that stories. drive
1: has been a big part of mm.
0: your career mm-hmm. and, and you have held, you know, very high level positions. You've been at that CEO level um, across a whole range of different organisations and obviously your your current role. What uh, you know stepping into leadership roles, you know, as a woman, has that just been what you needed to do? Has that been something that you've put yourself forward even before you were ready, even before you kind of had the skills in that space?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I've always had a, um, a drive and, and a willingness to have a crack at stuff, I guess. And, um, as much as I would always admit that. You know, previous to the last sort of couple of years, I hate it. Well, I still probably hate failure. Um, I That's probably what's driven me a lot around, you know, not wanting to fail. But it's never held me back of having a crack at something. So I would always throw myself in, willing to, to try anything that sounded good and it was half kind of made rational sense to me, I guess. And it, it's sort of part of that um, journey through your career that I think you know is to say to people just if if it sounds right and the job sounds amazing, give it a go and like oh but it's not you know it's not going up I'm going sideways or I'm going backward like it doesn't matter because you will make it what what you you know can of it I guess and for me, in a lot of my kind of journey through my career, I've taken a lot of sideward steps and you know in some roles, probably people think, what are you doing? Like, that's a massive backward step. But I could see the potential of where it was going to go. And also, there's a lot to be said about on the job training. You know, I haven't done an MBA. Uh, You know, I thought I needed to at some stage, but I've owned companies and I've owned my own businesses. And, you know, that's kind of the essence of what you learn in terms of networking and running a company, I guess. So, um, you know, getting in there and learning all elements of jobs or companies or, you know, being open to um, learning and change is, is kind of the key thing that I've learnt. Does asking for help come naturally to you? Um, if I if I think that I should know what I should do, then it doesn't. No, because I, I put that pressure on myself. But if I know wholeheartedly this is brand new to me and the person, like, they know I've never done this before, oh, fine, you know, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about here. Can you help me? Whatever. So I guess to give you context in the tourism sense, when I worked in that industry for 17 years, and it's quite a complex industry, um, I would be very rare to say, I mm, don't really know what I'm doing here. don't know what that means or, you know, whatever. Um, whereas taking, you know, a massive step out of that and going into an industry. So I'd never worked. I'd worked with Uh, agencies before, obviously in my kind of career, worked with many of them. I'd never worked agency side ever. Um, So to actually then start one up, um, you know, I started up the the Sydney office of a um, Bastion had their Melbourne entity, but I started the Sydney office from scratch. I mean, that was a massive leap of faith. And I never really appreciated that at the time, I guess. You know, when you've got a a career quite at the height of your career, really, you know, it's just sort of turned 40, or just over forty-one, and um, and I uh, deliberately went into a different industry. I had no knowledge of it, um, and then had. you know, Why did you do that? Going <laughs> <Can> <laughs> to ask the really obvious um, question. Well, I think going back to reassessing. You know, when you're saying about me reassessing, I'd I'd been spent time in Europe. You know, I really I did this whole kind of. Sheet. I'd sit on the beach in Portugal because by that stage, then my husband and I decided to take. um, You know, we called it an adult gap year. It was about six months off, so that was part of that journey. And then after the uh, Rome trip, we then went to Portugal, and we were lucky enough to a mate has a house who sits there. It's his beach house, and we got to stay in that for months, which was amazing. So through that time, I really kind of did some soul searching about what do I want to do, where do I want to go. You know, if I'm going to work for a company what does that company look like? What are their values? What are they, you know, is it about the product or is it about their, you know, essentially how they treat their people? What, what are the kind of core components? So I had a lot of time to think that through. And what kept coming back to me was, one, I needed to leave the industry because I thought if I don't leave tourism now, I'll be forever in it. And I wanted to see if my skills were transferable. And I thought, you know, you're the height CEO, it'd be easy to come back to Australia and then do another gig. And so that was kind of the first part of it. The second part was um, the companies that kept coming to mind were um, really different and unique and one of them was this company called Bastion and the owner of and the founder of the business, uh, Fergus Watts, was a young guy that started, he never really worked anywhere else, I think he'd worked six months in another place, started this company and came and did some work for us in STA and um, was amazing. And it was so, um, his perspective and the way that he tackled our business problems was so unique that that's what stood out, I guess, at the time. And I thought, these guys are really unusual. The way they conduct business, the way they have the ability to get under the skin of a company really quick was quite incredible to me, um, having worked with so many, you know, like it, I guess, in the past. So um, it, the, he, he kept coming back and that, that business kept coming back to me because I'm like, this is a tiny little business in Melbourne. I think they had four or five staff at the time. And um, I tipped them into a couple of companies, you know, through my contacts saying, well, if you need someone in that sort of marketing comms space, these guys are really good. It's a little business in Melbourne, but they're super impressive. And they won, keep winning these accounts. And so um, Fergus had sent me a note to say, hey, just want to say thanks. You gave us a lead. We won the business. It was amazing. You know, really appreciate that you keep Uh, referring us. And I said, well, it's funny you've contacted me because I keep thinking about you. And um, have you ever thought about expanding your company? And at that stage, uh, I wanted to stay in Europe. So I was thinking we could start, you know, a bastion entity in Europe. And he came straight back and said, oh, my God, absolutely, yeah, we definitely want to expand and it's about the right partners and the right people for him. It wasn't around, um, you know, where it was or the concept, it was around who we could partner properly with. And so uh, that's sort of how that idea was born and then we kind of workshopped a a, um, business plan through Skype back and forth uh, while I was still in Portugal on the beach and uh, I came back to Australia literally four years and one month ago and um, started that up. So for me it was... I wanted to do something different. Um, it had to be around working with someone that I respected, that I also believed in, and... Um It wasn't so much about what we were doing though, which is interesting because at first they were doing, they had a Bastion Brands was the business and um, they were, you know, a brand company, which I had a lot of experience in that space and so that made sense to me. But by the time we'd worked through the business plan, it was Bastion EBA, which is the, it stands for Emotional Brand Alignment. So that's about sponsorships and partnerships and events and stuff. And it was that entity that he said, I think you'll add the most value. And that's what I started in Sydney. So when we'd worked through that plan, then uh, I had to be realistic about it because I've done startups before and said, well, I'm using all their IP. I was the majority shareholder at the time in the Sydney entity, but um, they were there to support and help me. And uh, But essentially, you know, I didn't pay myself for the first sort of three to six months. So it was a massive thing for my husband and I to decide, you know, to commit to this. Mm. And uh, I just said, why did you do it? I don't know. I just... I wanted, I'd gone through so much change, I guess, in that six, seven months um, that I wanted to see whether well, I didn't have anything to lose. No, it's <laughs> not like one, one foot,
0: and let's give it a
1: go, and, yeah. and just keep
0: putting one foot yeah. in front of the other. And...
1: and there's a key other element that I kind of missed in there that um, was quite profound through that time as well. I took a job, um, a role offshore in Geneva, and it was a bit of a disaster. And. Um, it's, you know, the company sounded amazing, the role sounded amazing. They pursued me for quite a while to take the role. I wasn't convinced that the company was for me, but the job and the opportunity was incredible. And, um, it was not the right fit. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a great cultural fit. Um, I didn't, you know, the job that I was sold wasn't the job that I did. And so I only lasted three months and it was, um, that to me was quite a devastating disaster because we'd, We'd had four, um, you know, put my house up for rent. We'd sold our cars. We, you know moved my husband across the other side of the world. We'd had four farewell parties. (laughs) We were going to Europe for five years. (laughs) And it was just a bloody disaster. So that was, that shook me. It really did. rattled. So we went back to Portugal and I thought, well, what else? We're not going back to Australia. Um, (gasps) It's coming into winter. Let's reassess. And so all that stuff that I'd worked on before then came up again. I thought, I need to get this right. I really need to get this right. And it is time for me to really challenge myself on a bigger scale and go into a different industry. And it's not for the faint-hearted, though. Um, you know, I hated it for the first three yeah, months.
0: Yeah, what have, have been some of the major lessons that you've learned?
1: Um, oh, just to be... I mean, I say be prepared, but you probably can never be prepared. its um, It was so challenging for me to, to have had a, a career... I think the difference of when I started um, with my partners in the business which was called Southern Southern Lodges Australia. So that was when I worked in Alice Springs. I had no reputation. I'd never done it before. I had no expectations on myself. No one had any expectations on me. I was a nobody. I'd arrived in Alice Springs, this chick from Melbourne. Um, And so I just, you know, got on with it, did my stuff and then kind of built myself up, got on different committees. I did some work for the government, Um, you know, got on boards and, and tourism entities there and built a profile. But then... Fast forward then to STA, when I was the managing director, only female on the board, um, you know, big business, was doing a lot of uh, activity and a lot of kind of promotional stuff, I guess, in terms of, you know, a bit more of a public profile. And um, so for all that to go off the cliff, (laughs) um, then to come into a, a business and think that actually you know, I've got this reputation. I need to be yeah. really high
0: on yeah. self as well exactly. as from other people. Everyone yeah. else.
1: And Fergus had met me when I was in that role, so he met in we this amazing office, and you know, all the staff and the kind of whole um, incredible setup. And uh, we we laugh because he used to ring in those early days and being up here in Sydney. And I shared an office with um, another business because I thought, well, I don't want to be by myself. It's you know, I'm a social person. Let's be in um, you know, we rent an, an, a desk off another business. And he would ring and say, what's all the noise? What's going on? Where are you? And I'm like, I'm at the post office. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing at the post office? I'm like... There is no one else, right? Remember this? So <laughs> do it is, all, yeah. It's, it's just me. And he'd just laugh and he'd go, how the mighty fall. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it was just that whole, and it was lovely, their groundingness, the I guess, because they were so yeah, they were so supportive, but also, you know, Jim, our chairman, which is Fergus's dad, he, he was so supportive. And he he highlighted it once in a forum we all in and he said, you know, the boys have done it tough, like they've, you know, slogged it out. And Jack, our other business partner, you know, he went out and drove his Commodore, and you know, sleep in the back of it, it like in starting the business. It was <laughs> we've you all know, been real there, So you've just got to your yeah. bit now. But that's, he said that, and that was tough. He said, but Michelle actually let all that. It was another side. You know, I had the big job and the, the EA and the you know nine reports and. You know the first class travel and the you know all those com- and amazing perks which you kind of forget about, mm. especially being in the industry that long. But um, they they kind of do define you a little bit because you're like, well, I've kind of made it. You know, if you yeah, if I'm it. not
0: sitting up in the front of the plane, then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, platinum and Qantas yeah. and Platinum and Virgin, well, what do you you know? There's no big deal. You know, all yeah. that sort of stuff, which is. Um, you know, been in the industry that long, you, I'd, I'd say I'd never take that for granted, but it's um, it certainly comes crashing down when you're not paying yourself, you're flying economy, and you're you, buying um, stamps. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and you have to stand in a, in a post office queue. So
0: yeah, it's um, so coming through all of that, <laughs> real, real startup fund kind of mm. phase, yeah, and some of it. As you say, it's not your business that you're starting up. In some ways, it is in terms of being a majority shareholder here in Sydney, but you've also got these uh, this other kind of brand that you're now representing um, and sitting in that space to where you are now in terms of leading that team mm. and, and what's been, you know, phenomenally successful growth and continues to be. How do you continue to make your voice heard in that
1: leadership space? Um, it's a really good question. It's, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a challenge uh, for any business, I guess. We, we go through a lot of change and, um, if you can't cope with change, our business is not for you because, you know, we we're changing things all the time and I think part of that is the startup kind of mentality um but we're sort of beyond that a bit now I guess and we've got some really good infrastructure and we've got systems and processes in place and we've got you know 140 staff it's a lot harder to flip and change and change structures and um as much as we sort of used to however um We still do it. (laughs) And it can't be underestimated, the the pressure I guess that puts on everyone. But the other side to that is that it kind of shakes our business up and it ensures that none of us rest on our laurels. I think I've had about nine different roles and job titles in the four years I've been in the business. Um, some of those I've, you know, orchestrated with the, my business partners. Others, you know, they've decided for me. So it's kind <laughs> of that. It's, it's, uh, that's just the nature of Who our... Who am I today? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And because we are... Um, we're a very fluid environment, I guess, and we probably need to be. The the market changes and, you know, in the, the area of which we work is changing so significantly. Things, you know, in terms of digital and social areas and stuff like that, um, that's, you know, incredibly fast-paced. So um, I think, you know, in answer to your question, it's... Um, It constantly evolves. You know, some days I think I've got a great seat at the table and, you know, I think, oh, yeah, this is good and I feel like I'm really being heard and I'm contributing. Other days I'm like, what on earth am I doing here? I just, even though I am a part owner in the business, I'm like, well, I'm not really sure that, you know, I'm making the difference that I feel I should be and I'm not really sure we're heading in the direction that, you know, is right. Or, um, And that's around you know, having that open communication, I guess, with, with your partners and, and your teams um, and having that check in constantly, which which happens all the time. Like I, you know, said, so we said right at the start about that self-reflection and, mm-hmm. um, anal- you know, analysing where you're at, what are you doing, you know, where are you heading? I mean, I, I still do that all the time um, in all parts of my life, as well as the business. So that kind of helps. Um, ensuring that you know the part about you know having a voice, and especially as a, a female, you know it's um, we've got about sixty eight percent of our our company is um, female, and we've got quite a, a number of our CEOs are female in our business as well, which is great. But even us, you know, we really still always have to work on ensuring that we are um, you know having a platform for for diversity on in every facet and even as a you know family-owned business that we think we're good at that, um, there are times when we're not and you know we need to get better and we need to try harder and um, ensure that you know there's diversity across the board. so yeah. It's a constant. Yeah, we've
0: all got those blind spots, a bit like your friend in Alice Springs. (laughs) It's it's like, yeah, how do we keep hearing those voices that aren't always at the table? But that's great in terms of women leadership because it's certainly an area that, uh, you know, we need to keep having conversations around across a whole range of different industries. That's Mm. obviously something you guys are really passionate about in that space.
1: Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, the sporting realm is a, um, uh, you know, it's, it's quite a... In Australia, especially, um, there's a lot of um, you know male-dominated areas in in sport, you know, sport in a business, and we've got some pretty ho- high-profile people in our business that come from that sector as well. So, you know, that we're uh, accused of being a you know football-led AFL-driven entity in a you know a bit of a boys' club and stuff. But the reality within the business is is you know, incredibly different to that. And the client base we have is not at all in that space. You know, we have a couple of clients in that area, but majority of the work we do is um, is, you know, not at all in in sport or AFL. <laughs> so yeah. but that's that perception issue that people have and um, you know sometimes the media fuel that I guess. So uh, we need to work harder.
0: Yeah um, keep providing and those other, other yeah, angles that we do. And as ensuring
1: well. that our um, you know all the Teams in our business, whether they're you know young males or you know senior females, that they have a voice as well, and that they feel that they can contribute, and that they really do make a difference to our business because that's that's what we're all about. You know, our whole premise is, as a company, is to make our, or help our people be better human beings. It's not about being a better employee. It's actually, we want you to be a better person through having worked with us or for us. And, um, you know, we do a lot of activity in that space to try and sort of uh, drive that and ensure that our people have the um, opportunity to, you know, have their own kind of um, blind spots challenged, I guess, and and to kind of look at things a bit differently, you know, in their lives, not just in their work environment.
0: Yeah. So coming back to to this year, um, obviously you've started that business really, really tough coming in right at the start of it. Here we are mm. four, four years, one month um, since you've done that and you spoke right at the start about really reflecting on this year and that that mm. kind of sense of happiness and came back to actually as part of it is the job. What have been some of the strategies on the basis of that reflection that you've maybe put into place or what have you changed? What have you looked at differently?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, lots of things. <laughs> um, I used to have a, um, when when I first started my business at 23, I used to have what I'd call a red line. And this was, you know, I, I came from a, a very working class family. So every dollar I've ever earned, as I talked before about a paper round from 11, is, you know, I've earned that money. And, um, you know, I've never been given sums of money to be able to, you know, Buy into a business or buy a house or whatever. So uh, I have a very strong, um, you know, sense of of you know how hard it is to earn a dollar. So therefore, how hard it how easy it is to lose a dollar, I guess. Um, but the way, in terms of rather than uh, me being running a business through fear and always freaking out and thinking, oh my god, you know, how am I going to pay the wages and how am I going to, you know, as we grow, I learned to actually have my own kind of baseline to say. I'm going to go as hard and fast as I can and take every opportunity and, you know, if it sounds right and it makes sense and I do the numbers and I make sound decisions, then I'm going to have a crack Um, on the premise that actually if I lose everything, if I know that if I'm in a situation like in the business that I first bought into, if I lose everything, it gets me back to zero. I'll lose my house that I've, you know, worked so hard to pay that off, but I'll lose my house and maybe a car, but actually I won't be in debt and I'll have you know, back to back to a zero amount. And then maybe I need to get a job in a cafe or I'll be in a, you know, instead of running a hotel, I'll be a housekeeper and I'll be cleaning toilets. But I knew I'd always be okay because I have a sense of, like, I'm a hard worker mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'll be fine. So I use that all the time with different things. It was the same when, you know, giving everything away and taking a massive leap of faith to come and join the guys at Bastion. Um, That was the same. I thought, well, I need to be able to set up my life that I can't pay myself for six months because it might take me that long to get a client. And it took me three months to get the first client in to really validate that business. But he was pretty stressful through that time. And if I'd also had the, oh my God, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay myself? How am I going to feed myself? You know, all that as well. Like, I don't think you would get through it. I don't think you'd be able to, you know, Manage that because it's incredibly, it is incredibly stressful, and people underestimate that when they first start a business.
0: Yeah, you're in survival mode thinking the moment yep. you kind of go, I can't put food on the table. Yeah, so it changes your decision making, particularly from a business. Absolutely,
1: perspective. yeah, absolutely. So I think um, whilst you know, I didn't have children to have to. Um, ensure that I'm looking after their welfare. Um, I had mortgages and, you know, other commitments that I needed to ensure there was a certain amount of money that I could pay that off. But if you get to what I call, you know, the baseline or the red line, then you know what you've got to play with, in my view. So that was kind of... Um, the same sense of where I'm at, you know, at the start of this year, going, Am I in the right job? And it's a weird question to ask when you're a shareholder in a business. And I think that, you know, maybe my business partner's listening to this. Might be like, <laughs> what? Um, but through the degree, and obviously we were quite honest with these sessions, and some of the, you know, I'd sort of said, I'm not sure I'm in the right job. I don't know whether, you know, this is that I'm doing the right thing. I'm not happy, and I'm not sure the business is getting the, um, the best out of me. It takes a you know, that's brave to to say that. I know that. And there was a hesitation because I thought, wow, if I say that, are they going to think I'm checking out and that I'm leaving them and Mm -hmm. then they'll, you know, push me away. I don't know. I like, it was a bit, you know, a bit of a risk to take, but it made me be able to be brutally honest and say that there's something needs to change and whether that's within the business or my role or within me. And I didn't quite know what that was. And so then I took the time to to do that sort of self-reflection. And the way I do that is to get a sheet of paper and go, okay, it all ends today. So tomorrow you have got a clean sheet of paper. You have no job. You have no house. You have no, <laughs> like yeah. you're back to, back to basics again. What is it that you truly want to do? What would make your heart sing? What would, you know, give you the most pleasure in life? You know, whether that is home life of, you know, some people it's getting married and having kids or, you know, um, pursuing something else, other people, it's the job, you know, or whatever. So what are those elements? And so I did that and thought, if I left this job, what would I do? What company would I go to work for? What job would I look for? What would it be? And, um, what I found through that process was that while I keep thinking in the back of my mind that I need to have, um, do the big gig again. You know, I ran, did the, was a big CEO. I'm not a CEO in this business now. Um, although I have a very senior position, I'm not running the show ultimately. And I found, I worked out over the last couple of years that I'm really missing that. You know, I'm, when you get to the core of understanding what you're good at and what you're crap at, like, then that's when you start to be really good and really valuable, I guess, to one, your partners or your employer or yourself if it's your own business. And so what I know is that I'm a good builder. I'm a good creator. um, I, uh, you know, love to fix things. I'm not a maintainer. So when I work that out, that's why I'm not happy because I've built, I built this business it. up, I've <laughs> created, I've worked, it, it's all running, it's good. You know, I'm working with the other business partners now, yeah. but a job as a COO is to, you know, we bought in new systems, new processes, and now we're kind of just maintaining them. We changed our brand a year ago, you know, all those big projects that I've done and been a part of and driven and been, you know, really successful in those places and very proud of the work that, you know, all of us have done on that space. But I'm kind of bored. And so when I got to realise that the real crux of that problem, then I could do something about it. And so what I started to look at then was, well, what does that mean? If I left the company, what would I do? And I actually, there was nothing that would excite me more. There was not a business I'd be happier in, I sort of determined. There's not, there was a couple of big jobs um, back in tourism industry that I thought, hmm, that could be interesting. But actually, I thought, I have incredible freedom now. I I, um, I just haven't used it. You know, the guys we we run things really differently. The guys are, his whole philosophy of, you know, work from the beach or, um, you know, if you need to, you know, take a couple of days off if you need to, you know, it, the freedom that we have in our own business is is enormous. But because of my own um, chains, I guess, and my own um, expectations. Got to be there from seven till seven and Yeah, can't it's weird. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, my younger teams and our staff have taught me a huge amount is that, you know, they don't look up to me of that, that whole old um, premise of you used to be in the office first and last and, you know, oh, that's how you've got to run it, you've got to work really hard and, oh, that's, you know, that's what it means to be a big boss and, and um, I'm going to aspire to that. They don't look at that, that that's great. They look at the fact that if you're running a big business and you can leave it for and go to the beach or go surfing or, you know, do, you know, incredibly successful at your job, but have the flexibility that's what they want to aspire to. And so, that was a, you know, some good lessons for me. Mm-hmm. And the guys have really taught me, um, you know, my younger business partners as well around that sense of failure that actually, you've got to, if you're not um, having a real crack at something and pushing it to the limits, you know, really stress testing stuff so it breaks, well, you're probably not trying hard enough. You know, rather than me always looking at that going, like, I can't fail, I can't You've fail. you got to avoid that. You know, yeah. it's got to be perfect. I can't launch anything till it's perfect. Yeah. Rather than, um, you know, kind of shifting that, that headspace. So for me, you know, there's been some massive, massive kind of learning curves. So got the sheet of paper, write all the things. So the way I do it is I write what I'm good at, like what I'm shit at. <laughs> and really being, uh, writing this down on it, you know, I just get a big A3 sheet. And this, I've done this a couple of times in my kind of... Um, the last sort of 15 years, I guess, Um, then writing it as if no one else is ever going to see it. And so then you're brutally honest and you can, you know, no hang ups and don't stress about it all. So start with the stuff you're good at, stuff you're not good at, then stuff that you love um, and stuff that you hate and being really kind of brutally honest about those components. And then you start to build a picture about, what does the role look like, or what what is going to make me happier in life, or what are the things that are missing? And so what I determined through that process was one, I was missing being the boss, of missing, you know, running the show from go to Woe and ultimately being responsible, and that's the stuff that I obviously really love, um, and missing the creativity. and so, what I'd sort of been incubating through, um, from Christmas last year was a little side business. And, um, and what I found out through that, it was actually, I needed to ramp that up a bit more. So I went into partnership, um, with a gorgeous girlfriend of mine and we created, um, a candle business. So that was the, another kind of missing link. I was trying to get everything out of my one job. Right. Yeah. And thinking. It doesn't have
0: to give you everything. No.
1: It's like our, you know, staff that I kind of people that I've mentored over the years and and they have this whole expectation that their boss needs to be, you know, their boss, their mentor, their, you know, their inspiration, their guidance and I'm like no, it's like thinking your husband needs to be there or your partner needs to be everything to you. Mm. You know, gone are the days where we used to grow up in communities where you'd have the neighbours would be this, your best friend would be that, your girlfriends, your you know, the wise old elder down the street that you bounce off. You had all these people that you could bounce off. Now we don't always have that. We think our partner in life should be all those You're things do to everything.
0: you. Want to talk about pressure, right? Yeah, and we <laughs> wonder why
1: we, we they don't, you know, yeah. we don't survive. So yeah. um, it's the same with a working environment. You know, if you think that your boss or your, you know, business partner or your job or your company needs to tick every single box in your life in terms of inspiration, um, challenge, uh, you know, you know, next kind of career, like everything that you can possibly think of, you're putting far too much pressure on it and it's always going to fail.
0: Yeah, but it gives you a... It's kind of really liberating to go, well, if it's not there, then I can take ownership for somewhere else as well. So... So that's exciting, and what's it called? Oh, the, <laughs>
1: yeah, the candle. candle. Yeah, um, Knox Cox Candle Co. Knox Cox Candle so Co. So that's uh, I'm obviously the Cox in that equation, <laughs> and uh, my girlfriend Summer Knox, she's the Knox, and we yeah we make these beautiful um, natural soy wax candles in my house in Palm Beach, and um, uh, we make them from scratch. People can't quite believe that we make them <laughs> from scratch. <laughs> it's but, Sunday, you know, the big corporate big candle. The corporate person that um, yeah, on the weekend we started with a you know glass of champagne and a bit of fun, and now actually production's so big that we 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 have a sip in between all that. But um, <laughs> yeah, we uh, it's giving me a lot of delight actually. It, it really um, you know huge amounts of pleasure to see it succeed, and I think learning that uh, that part about yourself that I am that sort of builder creator and, you know, really like to see how people react to that. And so when people are are loving our products and they're loving, you know, something like the fragrance and they're loving our branding and, you know, everything like a little kind of, you know, Instagram page, which is, you know, little followers, hopefully we'll get more now after this. (laughs) (laughs) Knocks, cocks, candles, yeah. yeah. Um, So it's, it's actually been as much as, it's been a lot of fun and delight and it's been gorgeous to do that with a beautiful friend of mine. It um, has actually fulfilled something that was missing in my day job. And um, I was a bit worried about it at the start because I thought, oh, you know, I don't really have time for this and how can I fit it in? And being conscious that my business partner's thinking, oh, she's spending time on that? Is she not doing a real job? And, you know, ensuring that, making them feel comfortable actually, I'm doing it in my weekends and, and you know, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it has helped me in my, in my day job as well, I guess, of the sense of um, that creativity and me get clarity and also probably more enjoyment then about the strategic bigger picture stuff that I'm doing um, in Bastion every day versus, uh, you know, little intricacies of, you know, which week we're going to choose <laughs> or which fragrance is coming up for Christmas or whatever.
0: You know? Yeah, both conversations in the one yeah, day. That's yeah, what I love
1: about it's it. quite fun. So um, yeah, that's, that's, and I think that's the, the point about diversity of really challenging yourself. And again, not being afraid to fail. I was like, there are so many candle companies out there. What are we going to do different? And, but I, you know, really saw a, a point of having a price point that was more um, uh, you know, people felt more valuable out of it. They would burn it more often if it, you know, they weren't paying sixty or seventy bucks for a candle a natural product. Something that looks sexy sitting on the cat, you know, sitting on the um, mantelpiece or, or your um, desk or whatever, and um, having a bit of fun with it as well. And so there are all those kind of elements to go. Well, who cares? Like, and again, that base point, knowing that this is the this is the amount of money I'm going to invest in it. If we lose that, well, that's I'm prepared to take a risk on that. But so far we paid off all our original setup costs in three to four months. So again, just a little tiny incubator business and it's been really fun to sort of own that fully and be so passionate about it again, I guess. Have you got plans for it? Or is no. it just gonna continue no. <laughs> <Yes>. Sunday in <laughs> a glass of champagne? Summer might kill me. No, no. I love no it. it's definitely um yeah, we've been doing some pretty big corporate orders and stuff. So but no, it's just, you know, obviously we'd love to have it so it's you yeah, know, bringing but you a little the income. Not
0: the, that it's, it's actually. Yeah, that, I mean, it'd so be creativity. fantastic yeah. if
1: it's if it's a, a, a bigger, successful business. But that means we'll employ people. And hmm. at the moment, we're um, you know we're doing it all ourselves and clearly not paying ourselves <laughs> anything. But um, yeah, it gives you know at this point we you know, we just want to see how we go with it and um, uh, give it a you know sort of first its first year and, and see where it goes from there. But um, you know, we do get a lot of inquiries about oh, you're going into this line, are you doing soaps next are you doing we just say, No, we're just gonna stick to this first and and um, you know, we're enjoying that at this stage. But yeah, we the plans are that it becomes a viable business, I guess. Beautiful. yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah, it. The yeah, un- uncertainty fun. and keep exploring and growing and yeah. playing. Um, but I love
0: your planning as well, sitting down and just going, what am I great at? What am I not so great at? And be truly, brutally honest and mm. see what manifests out of that. And it doesn't have to be from yeah. your workplace. What yeah. is it? I can take ownership on that.
1: Yeah, and if you um, have a person that you can bounce that off and you're comfortable with. So, you know, a lot of people do have mentors now and business coaches and, you know, advisors and stuff. It, it, it's fantastic, you know, that using them to bounce off and, um, you know, a business coach, I guess, is is the type of person that's hold, they literally just hold a mirror up to you to, you know, say, this is what you're projecting. These are the, this is what you're saying to me. Is this right? You know, they don't really, not always telling you stuff that is completely, um, you know, changing your view. It's actually giving you a different version of what you're uh, going through, I guess. So it's lovely to have that feedback if you're comfortable to share that with people. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm lucky to have lots of different people in my life that I do bounce that sort of stuff off and, you know, it certainly helps. It certainly helps. Yeah. gives you a bit more confidence, I guess, as well of that maybe you are on the right path or that you're not. And they see things in you that you don't always see in yourself too. So, you know, I always recommend for people to get another person to help them write their CV because you never write great stuff about yourself or you don't feel comfortable to do that. No, Someone else writes
0: it so much better. Yeah. 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 Because they
1: see things in you that are very different is good.
0: Plenty of adventures ahead. Look, the name of this podcast is called Standout Life. When I say that term, what does standout life mean to you?
1: Oh, it means lots of things, I guess. Um, Yeah, for me, it's around that really true, authentic self. You know, if you're true to yourself and you can be authentic in any forum, any place, any audience, then there are so many things that are behind that, I guess, to enable you to be like that, that you, um, you you know, you must be having a life that's pretty solid. And, um, you know, that doesn't mean that you haven't had crap happen to you, you haven't had shitty stuff that's occurred. It just means that you are able to put it in perspective and um, use that, I guess, to Uh, drive you or to um, give you confidence or to help you on your next step. You know, we were talking earlier about the diversity and learning things in life and taking, you know, real pivot points, I guess, and and being open to that, that you don't have to take a a set journey on your career anymore. You know, we sort of grew up with that still and our parents grew up with it even more.
0: He was like, he he retired after... 47 years with the same organisation, I believe, I yeah. do believe he was the last person on the planet. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's just not the state. these. these and campaigns.
1: you see the change in generations, how fast that has evolved. Mm. But, um, you know, having a standout life, I guess, means a lot of different things. But to me it's around enjoyment, you know, being true to yourself, you know, so that you are really comfortable to be who you are and who you want to be and not giving a crap about who thinks, you know, having an opinion about your life. It's your life. Do what you want to do. And so many people just don't do that. They're not brave enough to or they they don't feel that they've got the, um, you know, the opportunity or enough money or enough. No, that's bullshit. Like seriously, everyone has the opportunity to to have the life that they want to have. You've just got to be brave enough to get out there and have a crack at it and to um, you know, take those opportunities that may not quite look right but in your gut they feel right. Well thank you Michelle for having the courage to have a crack it's been absolutely delightful. Oh it's been lovely to talk to you Ali thank you for having me hopefully uh, looking forward to hearing all the other podcasts as well.
0: If you've enjoyed today's episode then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out a real world guide to get clear find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website www.allisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes, and give this podcast a quick rating, so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ally Hill, and this is Standout Life.